0: Rosh Hashanah, Aleph Aleph, Perek Aleph Despite the name of the Masekhzah, Rosh Hashanah, only the last two prokim out of the four prokim of the Masekhzah discuss the Yom of Rosh Hashanah itself. The first two prokim's subject is Kiddush HaChidosh, which is when they would sanctify the new month, they would declare a day to be Rosh Chodesh, and that's because although nowadays we have a fixed calendar that is only 16, 1700 years old, but during the Mishnah's time and even the Gomorrah's time, they would know when Rosh Chodesh would fall based on seeing the new moon, as is known the first half of the month up to day 15. The moon gets bigger and bigger, that part of the moon which we see, and then from day 15 onwards, the part of the moon which we see, which is lit up, becomes less and less. So on the first day of each month, that's when it starts to become bigger again. So if somebody sees that type of moon, which is in a particular shape, it has particular features which one can use to tell that it is the Chodesh moon. So if two, two people saw that together, they would come to Bastin. They would come to the major Bastin, in Sanhedrin in Yerushalayim, and they would testify that they saw the Chodesh moon, and the Basin would declare that day to be Rosh Chodesh. Now, every month can be either 29 days or 30 days, and so the witnesses would always come on what would be either the 30th day of that month, or it would be the first day of the next month, depending on whether the Basin will end up declaring that day to be Rosh Chodesh or not, so that would decide whether it is the last day of the previous month, or the first day of the next month. Now, a month of 29 days is known as a Chodesh Choser, a lacking, shorter month, Whereas a month with 30 days is known as a chodesh Me'ubar, literally a pregnant month because of that extra day. The reason why some months have 30 days, some some months have 29 days is because technically speaking the month cycle of a moon is slightly more than 29 and a half days. So on average, 6 out of 12 of the months of the year will have 29 days and 6 would have 30 days. But yeah, as may, that is the focus of the first two prokim in the main. But before that, the Mishnah introduces what is supposed to be the main topic of the Masechta, and that is Rosh Hashanah itself. And although we know of really one Rosh Hashanah, which is on the first day of Tishri, the Mishnah actually tells us that Arba Rosh Hashanahim. There are four dates of Rosh Hashanah in the Jewish calendar. And the Mishnah starts its list from the month of Nisan, since the Torah commands that the months of the year be calculated from Nisan, and says the Mishnah, On the first day of Nisan, Rosh Hashanah l'malachim, is the Rosh Hashanah for kings. This refers to Jewish kings. And the custom in the times of the Mishnah was that they would write on documents, when it came to writing the date, they would calculate the date according to how many years that Jewish king had reigned for. So, for example, they would write, it is on such and such a month, and they would say what day of the month it was, and when it comes to the year, they would say in the fourth year, for example, of such and such a king's reign. However, as we can see from this Mishnah, the year begins from Nisan, which means that the first year of that king's reign would usually be less than a year. In fact, if the king only became king on the 29th of Adar, the last day of Adar, Already from the next day, which is the first of Nissan, that's when the second year of that king's reign begins. So anybody who writes a document from that point onwards would already be writing during the second year of that king's reign. The fact that this is on the first of Nissan specifically is learnt from Pesukim, and more also brings Pesukim for the rest of the list in this Mishnah to prove that that is the date of the Rosh Hashanah. Secondly, Golim, Nissan is also considered to be the Rosh Hashanah for the Yom Tovim, specifically the Sholosh Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukhas. So now we're not really talking about the 1st of Nisan, but rather the 15th of Nisan, which is the Yom Tov of Pesach. That is considered to be the 1st of the Sholish Rigolim, and the ramification of this is concerning the prohibition of Balta Achir. If somebody makes a nadir, a vow, to bring a korban to the Beis Hamikdash and to offer a korban, and he doesn't specify when he will do it, the halach is, at least to to this Mishnah that he has the 3 Sholish Rigolim, and once they have passed, he would have violated that prohibition of delaying paying up his vow to bring a korban. However, the three of the Sholoshu have to be in order. And so this mission is telling us that the order is specifically Pesach, then Shavuos, then Sukkos. So if, let's say, he makes a vow a week before Shavuos to bring a korban, so he would have that Shavuos, the Sukkos, and then Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkos, and only after that Sukkos would he violate the prohibition of Baltaachir. Because Pesach is considered to be the first of the Sholoshogolim. And in order to violate Balta he has to have passed those three Sholoshogolim in order. So Nisan, that was the first one. The second one on the list is Be'echl Be'elol. On the first day of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Lemaisi Behema. That is the Rosh Hashanah concerning the tithes of animals. The halach is that when one's cattle and sheep give birth to lots of animals, one tenth of those animals he needs to separate and bring as a korriban. So let's say all of the animals are in an enclosure in a pen in the field, and he passes the animals through a gate one by one, and every tenth animal he marks, and that animal will end up being Maise needs to be brought as a carbon. Now the halacha is that one needs to separate the tithes from one year at a time. Animals which are born in one year cannot be grouped together with other animals when it comes to counting every tenth animal to separate as Maise Behemar. So the question arises, how do you calculate which is part of which year? So the mission is telling us that the year begins from the first day of Elul. As well as this, another ramification would be if, let's say, somebody has cattle, and there were only five newborn sheep before the first of Elul, and then five newborn sheep after Elul. So although ten animals were born, they were born in different years. So if we look at each year separately, there were not ten animals which were born, and therefore there would be no obligation to separate Micebeheymah. Rabbi Loz and Rabbi Shimon say that actually the year begins on the first of Tishrei, which is the regular Rosh Hashanah for many other things, as we are about to see. And so it actually comes out that according to Rabbi Loz and Shimon, there are only three dates of Rosh Hashanah during the Jewish calendar. And again, they learn their reasons from Psukkim when exactly the dates fall. On the first day of Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah, it is Rosh Hashanah for a number of things. Number one, Lashonim, for years, and the Gemara explains that this is referring to the years of a non-Jewish king's reign, for certain documents, in order to maintain peace with the non-Jewish king as well, that they see that they are not just honouring their own king, but that we are also honouring that non-Jewish king, so certain documents use the reign of the non-Jewish king as the date, so in the same way as we explained for the Jewish king, the same would apply for the non-Jewish king, just that the Rosh Hashanah is not the first of Nisan, but rather it is the first of Tishri. Secondly, we'll for the laws of schmittah which is one year every seven years, where it's forbidden to work the land, the produce which grows during that year has certain restrictions, and there are other laws which apply during the year of schmittah and that year begins on Rosh Hashanah on the 1st of Tishrei, and for calculating the year of Yovel, which is once every 50 years, and very similar laws to Shemitah applied during Yovel, as well as a couple of additional laws, but it as it may, that 50th year is also calculated using the Rosh Hashanah of the 1st of Tishrei. Lantia, for planting trees, the Haloch is that during the first three years of a tree's life, it is forbidden to benefit from any of its fruit, it's known as Orla, and it does not need to be three complete years, rather as long as the first year, as long as it was planted at least 45 days before the first of Tishrei. So when it comes to the first of Tishrei, that would be considered the beginning of the second year. The tree would have already taken root properly, and been able to begin growing, and so in that case, the first of Tishrei would be considered the beginning of the second year. However, if it was planted less than 45 days before the first of Tishrei, then only the next first of Tishrei will be considered the beginning of the second year. Now the Mishnah in a moment is going to give another date for the Rosh Hashanah of Trees, and the difference is that the Rosh Hashanah we're talking about over here right now is known as Lanatiyov, for the planting of trees. So when it comes to the beginning of the tree's life, when calculating the beginning when Orla begins and enters its second year, so it's still considered to be a very young tree, and for that we follow the first of Tishrei. However, once it's already three years old, for example, when calculating when the orlah ends, as well as for the other laws concerning real older trees, so then the other date which the mission will give would apply. So for example, when it comes to orlah, the third year would not end when the First of Tishri comes along, but you'd have to wait until after that, until the other date arrives after that, which means that the last year, the third year, would actually be longer than one complete year. Alright, and finally, the first of Tishrei is also the Rosh of Rakais for vegetables concerning tithes. The various gifts which need to be separated from vegetables. For example, Mysore which is given to the Leithi, my Mysore Oni, which is a tithe which is given to poor people. Not every year, but during certain years of the seven-year Shmita cycle and during the years where Meiser Sh- Oni is not given, so a different tithe of Meiser Shani, which is when one separates a tenth of his produce and brings it up to Yerushalayim, and then can eat it himself in Yerushalayim, so that is separated in- instead of the Meiser Oni. Be yeah, as it may, when it comes to all of these gifts which are separated, the year is calculated from the first of Tishrei, and there are two ramifications for this. Firstly, with regards to knowing which tithe to separate, As we explained, not every year requires the same tithes to be separated. And secondly, just like we saw with the Meister Behemar, tithes from one year cannot be separated together with tithes of another year's produce. And so it's important to know when the year begins and ends. It should be noted that when the Mishnah says vegetables, it's not only referring to vegetables, but also to all grains such as wheat and barley, and all other things which require tithes. Alright, and finally, the fourth Rosh Hashanah Ba'echot Beshvat, on the first day of Shvat, Rosh Hashanah lo ilan. That is the Rosh Hashanah for trees, Keduvei Shamai. According to Beis Shamai, Beis Elovim Beis Misha Mishah It's actually on the 15th of Shvat, which is known as Tu B'Shvat. The month of Shavat is when less rain begins to fall and the blossom begins to come out, so that is the Roshana Rosh four trees. And again the ramifications would be firstly when it comes to calculating Orla, and secondly when it comes to calculating the tithes, that one can make sure not to separate tithes from one year together with another year's tithes. Mishnah Base, so on a similar note, the Mishnah tells us that Nidain at four times during the year, on four occasions the world is judged. On Pesach we are judged on how much produce there will be that year. The world is judged regarding the fruit of the tree, how large and how much the quality will be regarding the yield of the trees that year. The reason for both of these is regarding the year, the time of year that it falls about. Pesach is the season when produce begins to ripen. Shavuos is generally the period where the fruit has fully ripened. It's the harvest season for the fruit thirdly by Hashanah, Hashanah, which is the first of Tishrei, called Boi Ivrin Oivrin, Lafonov, Kedivni Morayn. All of the people of the world pass in front of Hashem, like sheep which are being counted. As we explained regarding the tithe of Maistar Behemar, the sheep would be enclosed in a pen, sort of uh, enclosed by fences, and one sheep, or one animal, would pass through a small gate, a small opening in the fences, one by one, and be counted. So too, on Rosh Hashanah, everybody passes in front of Hashem, individually, and Hashem judges everybody individually on a personal basis. Shenemah, as the Posuch says, HaYetzirah libom one who forms their heart together. HaMeiv and El who understands all of their deeds. The point being that even though Hashem judges everybody together as a whole, and He judges the entire world, He also understands every tiny detail and every tiny deed which every individual does, and that is how the judgment of Rosh Hashanah works, on an individual basis as well as a collective basis, a collective judgment. And one of the reasons why this is done on the 1st of Tishrei is because that is the day that man was created, Odom Arishan, the first man. All right, and finally, Ovechog, and on Sukkos, Niden the world is judged on water, how much rain there will be that year, the rainy season begins from Sukkos, that's when we begin to say mash for ruach, we begin to mention the rain during our davening, and from Sukkos that is when we are judged on how much rain there will be that year. There is showing you ask a question, that if everybody is judged on Rosh Hashanah on an individual basis, so surely we're judged about everything, every individual is judged how much grain he will get, how many fruit his trees will produce, etc. But if that's the case, then in what way is one judged on the other three dates which the Mishnah brought? So one answer given by the Run is that on the other three dates, the entire world as a whole is judged about how much produce there will be that year, how much rain there will be. Whereas on Rosh Hashanah, like the Mishnah indicated, we are judged on a much more individual basis. How much of that rain will come to my field? And that's why the Mishnah emphasised the point of being judged individually on Rosh Hashanah. Mishnah Gimel. From this point onwards, for the next pretty much two parakem, the focus of the Mishnah is Kirush when they would declare the Rosh Chodesh to be that day. And once Rosh Chodesh was declared, they had to let people know throughout the entire Eretz Yisrael and beyond which day Rosh Chodesh was, so that they would know which day Yom Tov would be, etc. Now, that's not necessarily relevant to many months. However, in six months of the year, messengers would go out in order to let people know when the was, because only during those six months was it necessary. Firstly, for the Rosh of Nisan, they would let people know now Pesach, because of Pesach, so that they would know what day Pesach fell. And they would not need to go in the month of Sivan to tell them when Shavuos would be, because Shavuos is always 50 days after Pesach, and by counting Sfiyas or Umer, people would know, based on when Pesach was, when Shavuos would be. Secondly, al for the month of Av and because of the fast of Tishabov, that is considered a more severe and important fast than all of the other fasts, except for Yom Kippur. And so they would make sure that people would fast that on the right date. And when it came to the other fasts, which are Midyabonon, such as Asorba Teves and Shavu they would pick one day and fast just on that day which they assumed was Shiva Asabratamus, and they would not need to fast twice out of doubt, because of the extreme difficulty involved in fasting twice. Thirdly, al-Elul. The messengers would go out during the month of Elul, with Rosh Hashanah, in order to let people know when Rosh Hashanah would be. Rosh Hashanah is on the first day of Tishrei, so they would only know when it would be based on the previous month, And although that's not good enough, because they wouldn't know whether Elul would be 29 days or 30 days, Elul was actually always 29 days. This wasn't necessarily a guarantee, but it happened to be that that's what always came out. And so that was enough for people to assume that Elul would indeed be 29 days, and that's how they would know when Rosh Hashanah would be. However, they would still send messengers Al Tishrei, in the month of Tishrei, in order to know when the important dates of that month would be, namely Yom Kippur and Sukkot, because since it was possible to know with certainty for those days, since it was later than the first day of the month, so they would send messengers out in order that they would know with certainty when Yom Kippur and Sukkus would be. Number five, al-Kislev, for the month of Kislev near Hanukkah, because of Hanukkah to know when that would fall, val-Adar near Purim, and for the month of Adar to know when Purim would fall. And the Mishnah adds, when the Besamekdosh was standing, the messengers would go out even for the month of Iyar, because of Pesach Koton, also known as Pesach Sheini, and that is on the 14th of Iyar, for those who were not able to bring a Korom Pesach on the 14th of Nisan, the day before Pesach, perhaps they were at Tomei, so they would be obligated to do so a month later on the 14th of Iyar. Mishnah out of the six months which were mentioned in the previous Mishnah, the Mishnah now gives extra significance to two of those months. Al Shnei Mechal for two months of the year, it is permitted for the Witnesses to desecrate Shabbos in order to get to the Bastin and give testimony that they saw the Rosh Chodesh moon. The Mishnah is not referring to the Messengers of the Bastin who are sent out to tell everybody when Rosh Chodesh was declared. They are never allowed to desecrate Shabbos in order to do so. However, the Witnesses are and in fact they are required to, because the Torah says, when talking about the Yom Tovim, that you, the Jewish people, are the ones who decide when the Yom Tovim will be. Based on your testimony, based on you declaring when your is, you are essentially deciding when the Yom Tovim will be. And the Torah there adds an extra word, it says "moyadom, in the right time, and we learn from that extra word that it's an absolute requirement to make sure it's on the right time, such that even if it will involve violating Shabbos, one still needs to do as much as he can in order to get to the basin and give the testimony that he saw the Rosh Chodesh Moon. Now, Medir Araysa, that refers to all of the Rosh Chodeshim, to the Rosh Chodesh of all of the months. And indeed, when the Bes Hamikdosh was around, as the end of this mission will tell us, it was permitted to violate Shabbos for all of the months. However, after the Bes Hamikdosh, with Rabbonon that only lasted for two of the months, Al Nisan ve Tishrei, for the Rosh Chodesh of Nissan and the Rosh Chodesh of Tishrei, and the reason which the Mishnah is about to give is that all of the Yomim which are mid one can know their dates based on when Rosh Chodesh Tishrei is and Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Rosh Chodesh Tishrei would tell you when Rosh Hashanah, Kippur and are and Rosh Chodesh would tell you when Pesach is, and then you would count 49 days, and then the 50th day would be Shavuos, and so that's how you would know all of the Yom which are in And that's the reason why specifically these two months one can violate Shabbos to get to the Din to give the testimony. However, the Mishnah adds an additional reason, which is Shabbat Hena Shluchin Yetzin that for these two months, messengers go out even to Surya, which is an area which borders Eretz Israel. It even shared some of the laws of Eretz Yisrael for certain things with And the point is that for these months specifically, the messengers would go out even beyond Eretz Yisrael to tell everybody when the Rosh Chodesh was. Reason being, partly because of the second reason, which is the main reason, as we explained, that that by these two Rosh Chodeshim, they fix all of the Yom which are made at And as we said, when the Rosh was around, they would be allowed to Violet Shabbos, Afal Kulon even for all of the months of the Beit HaKonosa because of the fixing of the carbon meaning there is an extra carbon musuf which needs to be offered in the Beis HaMikdosh and the Shkodesh, and one needs to make sure that it is brought on the right day, and therefore if he did see the Shkodesh moon, he must violate Shabbos in order to reach the Beis hamikdash and the Sanhedrin who are there, to tell them that he saw the Shkodesh moon. Now there's quite a glaring question from this Mishnah, which seems to contradict the previous Mishnah, because over here the Mishnah implies that only for these two months would witnesses be sent to everywhere to tell them that it was Roshroidesh, but in the previous Mishnah it said that it was for six months. So the Gemara explains that there was a difference in how the messengers were sent. When it came to the other four months out of these six months, even before the Basin had declared Roshroidesh to be Roshroidesh, if it was very likely that that would be the case, for example if there were lots of witnesses who came, or if it was a very clear Roshroidesh moon, so then it was pretty obvious that the Basin would end up declaring that day Roshroidesh. After they check a couple of witnesses, they would declare it to be Rosh So even before they'd actually done it, the messengers would already go out in order to tell people when Rosh was. However, for these two months, since they had carry more significance with them, they would wait until the Basin had actually declared it Rosh in order to make sure that the dates were indeed correct.